0: Hey, what's up, guys? Hey,
1: what's going on, guys? Uh, Welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I am Aaron Arnold. I'm Austin Arnold. And uh, we just sat down with uh, comedian and poker host Joe Stapleton. Good guy. Now, Joe is most known from the poker world. That's probably where you guys might recognize him. He's been the guy that's doing all kinds of funny commentary on Poker Nights of America, things like that.
0: Um, but he's also done a lot of cool comedy with like Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald is one of, he is probably my favorite stand up of all time. And it's also one of his favorite stand ups. And he's worked with Norm. So a lot of the podcast is me and all of us talking to him about working with Norm MacDonald. Aaron was basically just like, just fangirling out over yeah. a guy he's worked with <laughs> yeah he's like what does he smell like yeah and we found out in minute 40 well you'll see and you guys can find out too uh he also talked
1: about uh working for mad tv when he first moved to los angeles but well, i think he's pretty cool as a writer
0: no not quite I, he's a you'll find out but he talked about working with Keen peel yeah sure. that was surprising i was near the top too um yeah yeah, so. I don't want to spoil it, but it's pretty good.
1: You guys got to check it out. There's a lot of uh, good info in there, especially
0: for you up and coming comedians out there. I always prefer, like, I think getting comedians on are my favorite people to get on. All you want are comedians. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? Who do you guys like? Comedians or. Uh, I mean, comedians. Uh, there's, comedians are more fun. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Well, but I like a good director. Yeah. I'm a fan of a good director. Yep. Well, today we got a comedian. Enjoy. Yeah.
2: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks hey. Thanks for coming. It's only awkward because we're all sitting on one side of the table, but guess where they do this a lot? Poker. Poker television. Oh, oh the good table, is. right? Yeah, they want everybody here, so facing the camera, and there we are. Thanks for warning me that it was on camera, by the way. Didn't have time to change, uh, but, but I appreciate gave it.
1: gave you that heads up because, uh, you know, sometimes... People are like, oh, my God, I didn't know it was on camera.
2: And Podcasts can mean any number of things these days. Well, how That's about true.
0: just in 2019 in general, you're probably always
2: on camera. That's true. That's a good point.
0: It is very true. They're
2: Always watching, man. I know. Yeah. That whole
1: poker thing, though, I feel like it's not fair for the dealer. How come they don't get any FaceTime?
2: I know. The dealer is just the that. back of their head the whole time. If the dealer gets FaceTime, it's usually because something really bad happened because mm. the dealer we can swear screws, on this right screws up yeah you can you said screwed up though that has me nervous <laughs> uh fuck yeah you can Hell there yeah. it is Hell dang it man Hell dang yeah. it okay go ahead i'm gonna save it now though oh, oh, all right all yeah right. it's too much build-up
1: anyway so we know obviously you're in the poker world um what were you from What's your, what's your thing,
2: man? I was from... Now, I think where I'm from might actually be more relevant to what your guys' subject matter was. I moved out here to be a comedy writer, and my first job was a production assistant. For? For a television show called Mad TV. Uh, never heard of, heard of it. it. I've heard of it. Yeah, it was on just for a kidding. while. It was on for about 14 years, uh, so... Oh, man. <laughs> it was so hard to miss flew it. flew over me. Who, just kidding. Who, who,
0: who was on it when you uh, were Love that show. Man,
2: I was there for some, not the classic years, but some... Really talented people were there when I was there. I started in season eight. I worked there from eight more or less through to the end at 14. And the year I started was the year that Ike Barinholtz and Josh Meyer started. So uh, Artie was there? Artie was not there. Artie was only there season one. Um. Uh, maybe part of season two. But uh, Artie was famously arrested uh, in, <laughs> yeah. the dr- in his dressing room at Mad TV. I think that was during season one or two. He punched his manager. He did. He punched his manager. Did, you know... A fair amount of drugs that are probably still hidden in that dressing room somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I missed already. I missed I missed uh, Nicole Sullivan by a year, even though um, I did get to know her eventually. Alex Borstein I missed by a year. Will Sass, so I missed by a year. Mm. But I was there. Key and Peele? Key and Peel were there when nice. I was there. Yeah, now, was, what did you think nice. of Key and Peel at that building time? Building up, to, I thought that. You saw they the talent? Were, they were going to be absolute superstars. Really? Yeah. Because okay. not
0: everybody gets off of these sketch shows, you know? Yeah.
2: Except for one thing in that, yes, exactly, especially Mad TV. You would think that there'd be like way more huge household names that have come from Mad TV, and there really aren't that many. Um, so Key and Peele are the first and biggest, and they were like towards the end of the run of that show. Um, what I thought of Key and Peele at first was, was that keegan was and is to this day one of the sweetest human beings alive uh despite the fact that he is insane superstar now i will write him an email every you know couple years or so always writes me back always asks about my family uh great guy not that jordan isn't i was just closer (laughs) to keegan but jordan here's the thing is that i was uh, when i was working at mad tv i started there when i was 20 years old maybe 21 and where'd you come from Came from the East Coast. Okay. Came from upstate New York. Uh, graduated college in Boston. Moved out here five days later, and got really lucky. Within like two months, got a production assistant job. I mean, job yeah, that dude, TV. that's crazy. Yeah, I was just completely like, I've and I was super lucky. I was only a production assistant for one year. Also, I was like, about I, to ask
1: you what how, did you move up to like staff writer eventually? I went yeah. to
2: I went to become a head of the research department after that, which was a really fun job that mostly consisted in watching television. <laughs> Nice. Um, you know, the R&D were, department. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're doing a Lord of the Rings sketch this week. We need you to get like Lord of the Rings copies to all the actors. Um, we're doing a Jay-Z music video parody. We got to get. Jay-Z this these four music videos out to, you know, these folks, so it was a really fun job. Uh, then I became a production coordinator and that's more or less where I stayed uh, until I left to go do poker stuff. But uh, Jordan, I was a little mini Republican. At 21, 22 years old, very upstate New York, very like conservative, conservative guy. And I found the fact that Jordan Peele was stoned all the time to be really annoying. Hmm. And so I can't believe it that Jordan is like one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. Academy Award winner. And one of the last things I ever said to about him was I went he came over my desk to hang out with me and I left and like pawned him off on, some, foisted him off on someone else because he he was so stoned that I didn't want to talk to him and now I would do anything (laughs) (laughs) to have a conversation with Jordan Peele. But was he an annoying high person? No, I don't think so. I think that I was just such a fucking little shit (laughs) that I was just annoyed by him being stoned in general. So you were a staunch Bush supporter. Uh, I don't know if I was... Not, I was not a staunch Bush supporter then, but I was did consider myself a Republican, uh, especially uh, the second term when he was when it was like war city. I was like, hmm, maybe, hmm. maybe this isn't the uh, philosophy for me. I see. Is yeah.
1: it? Is it? I heard a story that was true that he uh, that Jordan never ever got a headshot, and he just made it around town that way.
2: That's entirely possible. I know for a he never fa- had a car. He never either. drove. Yeah. yeah, he took the
1: bus everywhere.
2: He took the bus, but he got a lot of rides from people too. Okay, um, yeah, I don't. He was always needed a ride from somewhere. That was like one of my as production coordinator, like just doling out production assistants to pick him up and drop him off various yeah. places. How'd you um,
1: how'd you get that first gig? By the way, like how'd you just
2: land? Man, I got so speaker. lucky. But again, well, it's they just, say it's
0: not who you know; it's who you uh,
2: who you. Whoa. Who you whistle at? <laughs> yep. Um I uh it, it ended up being someone that I knew but I didn't know him. I just sort of when I got out here man these these like methods for getting jobs now are so antiquated but when I got out here I used to wait for like every other Tuesday Variety would come out with the production listings in it. Sorry, Hollywood Reporter had all right. the production listings in it.
1: All the jobs you could, they were looking or whatever.
2: There, it weren't even jobs. It was just here are all the production offices going right now oh, okay, and a okay. phone number. And I would just start at A and say and, what? And call them and say, hey, I'm looking for any employment opportunities that you might have. And every single person up through MA said no. Mad TV said maybe.
0: That's. And they are one of the
2: best promising. And, and I was like, okay, this is crazy. Sure. Uh, and then they, they interviewed something like 40 PAs. Wow. For, I think one or two jobs. And um, I had also been doing like tons of networking by just looking up who from my high school and college had lived in LA. And I emailed this one guy who had gone to my high school like 10 years before me. I was like, Hey, you don't know me. just love to like have coffee or something pick your brain for a second a brand new out here and he wrote me back that day while i was waiting to hear if i got the job or not and so i and he was like are you free for a phone call now and i said i'm not i'm waiting to hear back from this tv show sorry he called me and he said can we can you talk now and i was like oh my god i've been waiting months to talk to you but i'm waiting to hear back from mad tv and he goes hold on a second and he like got on his other cell phone called someone at Fox and that person called the production coordinator at mad TV. And like within a minute or two of this phone call, he was like, you got it baller move. You got the job. Yeah. And he was like a VP at Fox sports, I think. So he just like called whoever he knew at Fox high up there and just had, yeah, exactly. And you know, that's how it works that if some executive is like, because you're a production coordinator, right? And you're looking at five candidates and they all seem like more or less the same to you. And then you get a call from the fucking network and they're like, this guy. And you're like, cool, sounds good to me. You're happy, I'm happy, all good. Yeah, problem solved. Yeah. So that's how I got the the very first job here in LA. So you're very- Very lucky. Indebted yeah, to that is. guy. I am indebted to that guy, absolutely. He went on to be like a big executive at Bravo too, like in the hmm. peak, peak Bravo, which I think Bravo's still peaking at this point. Still around. I mean, yeah.
0: Andy Cohen- is Bravo, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, he was, he was before Andy Cohen. He was, uh, his name is Dan Harrison. I he reminds me I need to reach out to him and say hello. It's always good to, this is advice for you guys out there, always good to uh, reach out to people in your Rolodex that you might need a favor from one day before you need the favor. That's true. Just say hello every once in a while, and that way. Keep the relationship going, right? Yeah, and I think everyone understands that. And What's
1: the best way you think to do that, though? Like a little email, a little text? Like, how do you do it so it's not I like, like to
2: gauge someone's busyness, like, if they're a truly very busy person, I send an email and just say, hey, just checking in on you, thinking about you. Hope all is well. You up? You up. Yeah, that <laughs> works, too. Exactly. Uh, what are you wearing? I uh, And then, uh, but if people aren't super busy, I try to throw out, like, a beer or a coffee or something happy hour. Just gen- generally because I do like those people as well. It's not right. that I dislike spending time with them. I just hate putting pressure on already busy people to now make time for me when right. it's okay. We don't have to, I just want to say what's up. Gotcha. Hmm. That's a, that's a good advice. Yeah. I should keep it, it that simple more
0: often. because I always feel like, Oh, what am I going to say? You know, I got to get to a point, but if you're just right. saying, Hey, what's up? Just checking on you. Instead it of the be okay. beer and the coffee, we like
2: to use the podcast as an excuse. Podcast is great because it plays to people's egos too, right? That's like right. some people know they're doing you a favor, but other people are like, I get to be on a podcast. Hello? It's like we reached out to you several times, but the minute we said podcast. That's he, right. You showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: as soon as I knew there was going to be a red light and some microphones. Hello.
1: That's the way it works. That's
0: the way it goes. Um, so uh, you were telling us before the pod that you played on Poker Stars. Well, I want to know if you're more of a comedian first or a poker player slash commentator
2: first. Okay. I wasn't, Sorry.
0: Don't get angry. (laughs) Oh, God, these
2: questions. When I said ask me anything, I didn't literally mean it. Um, I did not play much on Poker Stars. I was like anybody else at that time, like just kind of clicking buttons online. I wasn't much of an online poker player. I was, basically what happened was I was at Mad TV, and I wanted to be a writer there more than anything. And I was largely ignored, and because I had this crazy work ethic that didn't allow me to self-promote or to even ask about the possibility of there being other opportunities for me there, at least during the season, while I was on the clock as a production coordinator, I just wouldn't do it, which I definitely regret now. But I had this, again, this very like conservative mindset of like they hired you to be a production coordinator, not to spend your days and nights nosing around for a writing job. So shut the fuck up about it. Uh, And then what happened was during the times when I would speak up about it, I was very easily ignored during those times because I was so quiet. How'd you bring it up? Well, what show is this? This is Matt TV. TV. Yeah, okay. So during summer hiatus, I would say, hey guys, I know you're hiring writers. Would you read my sketch pack? And uh, basically I was more or less told no.
0: They were Like, like, go pick up Jordan Peele.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey, um, like, copies ready. Yeah, and I no, I wasn't even working at the time. Oh, okay. it was the thing, it was off season and I was told no, I was told that I was too valuable as a production coordinator. Ooh, um, what a compliment. Yeah, sort of, uh but also like fuck, it, fuck you. Isn't Hold the right.
1: trick also to not be too good at your job? Correct. That way it's like yes. if you're too and good I, at it, then they're going to just leave Right, you and there. I
2: wasn't valuable as a production coordinator because I was doing an associate producer job at the same time, which I didn't even realize because I was I wouldn't say being taken advantage of, but I was going above and beyond and everyone was perfectly happy to accept that from me. So
0: looking back, was your sketch pack, like did it have good
2: stuff in it? That was the other thing I was going to say, to be fair, I also wasn't working very hard at being a writer. I wasn't writing lots of sketches. I wasn't doing anything really. I was working at 21 years old in 2002 making sixty-five grand a year at a union job. Killing it. I was working, yeah, I was working like 80 hours a week. And then on the weekends, I was just lighting money on fire, buying (laughs) booze for me and all my friends from the time I got off Friday night till like Sunday 2 a.m. And I wasn't really working very hard at being a writer either. So between those two things, there was literally no chance I was going to become a comedy writer. So... One summer, we were on summer hiatus. My friend got an internship for Card Player Magazine, writing, uh, doing live tournament reporting for the World Series of Poker in 2005. And uh, I went with him to drop him off, like just to be like, "Cool, let's have a weekend in Vegas. I'll drop you off at your summer internship." They said to him, "Do you know anyone else who can write?" He said, "My friend right there can," and they hired me on the spot. And I decided to stay for the summer as a writer as a as a tournament reporter as a ju- journalist if you will reporting poker news basically report walk what we did is we would walk around the world series of poker and write down interesting hands we saw and then go enter them online which now exists in lots of sports it's just like a live blog but we didn't know that's what we were doing they were just tournament live tournament updates and i did that gotcha. for like 45 days straight damn uh yeah keeping track of the world series of poker in oh five.
0: And when you saw, like, that
2: Ben Affleck there, that celebrity that showed up that year, was every reporter rushed to that table? Sort of. I mean, one of the guys that used to show up back then was Tobey Maguire, and everyone knew that he didn't want to be fucked with. Like, not even just fucked with. Like, he didn't want to be looked at. He didn't want anyone standing near him. So Diva. I mean, look, you know, I don't know if you know his reputation in Hollywood and in the poker world. It's not a very good one. I mean, D.Va is putting it lightly. Well, Michael Sarah, did not Michael Sarah play him? Correct. In what's that movie? Yeah, the movie. Molly's Game. Molly's, Molly's Game, Game. Game. That's yeah, exactly. the one. Yeah, that's supposed to be Tobey yeah, right. Maguire. Um, right. And from what I understand, many of the actual stories are far worse than what you even saw in that in the, movie. In the film. Well,
0: I haven't uh, seen that movie. I don't know his reputation. Like, what kinds of stuff has he done?
2: So, one thing that's like very well documented that he did was he used to play in these huge poker games, uh, you know, for bigger sticks than they play in Vegas a lot of the time. And one of the things that he did is he sa- said he refused to play unless they used a shuffle machine. Now a shuffling machine is nearly impossible to get, at least was back then. They would only sell it to a casino. They wouldn't sell it to regular people, mostly because they're afraid people were gonna pick it apart and figure out a way to cheat it. Okay. Toby, and they were $13,000. Kobe somehow refused to play in a game that unless it had a shuffle machine. Just so happened to also own a shuffling machine.
0: Oh, come on. Which
2: he rented back to the game at a tune of $400 a day.
0: Nice. He was up.
2: So that's just one of the So he's an entrepreneur, really. Exactly. Yeah, but that's awesome. one of the one of the stories. He just in general doesn't have the best reputation for being the friendliest guy, especially when it comes to poker. So, so no, we did not so definitely not approachable. Not approachable. I'll tell you who was very approachable at the time, The who I loved, James Woods. Oh, yeah. James Woods was a hell of a nice Fellow guy. Fellow conservative? Uh, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. There I didn't even go. know that at the time. First of all, I didn't even know what liberal and conservative was back then. But, yeah, um, but yeah Jimmy Woods was a really nice guy. We liked hanging out with him. Um, Some people describe him as,
0: you know, he doesn't suffer fools. Not that you're a fool, but he's maybe not as open as... Uh, you know, some other celebrity. Doesn't make chit chat or exactly. That- maybe
2: I don't suffer fools either though. I mean I'll still be nice to them, but like there's if somebody <laughs> acts so. acts like a fucking doofus, I'm just <laughs> I had enough. I'll figure out a way to remove myself.
0: And I wasn't saying you're a fool, I'm saying maybe a reporter coming up to him he might automatically just assume, Oh, I don't wanna deal with that. No,
2: Jimmy Woods was nice. Okay. Cool. Are you talking about Toby? No, uh, I'm talking about Jimmy. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm just, James Woods was super, super nice. Uh, and I
0: was just... Uh, Austin was giving you pushback. I was giving you pushback wrong.
2: just to confirm. Devil's just to confirm. Because I think he has a reputation in Hollywood. And maybe that's Oh, just of cons- not being so nice. But I also exactly. think that's a recent development because people in the poker world love him. even Got you. Especially the people who are conservative and now have yeah. an extra reason to like him. But gotcha. he's always been, in my experience, even recently, very friendly at the poker table. Cool.
0: I like I like his movies. I just want to be fair saying I thought Toby Maguire and Sam Raimi's original Spider Man were the best Spider Man. And that's all I'll say.
2: I like the second one, but yes. First like and second one were the fantastic. best. Yeah. Yeah. That.
0: Bone Saw is ready. <laughs>
2: Classic line. name that movie. Spider yeah, Man. Spider Man. Yo, it was uh, kind uh, of a Rand, Randy, Randy <laughs> Randy an easy one. Well, that was more for the folks in <laughs> the movie we
1: had just <laughs> okay.
0: talked about folks at home. Uh, and you'll see the icon flashing Spider-Man at the bottom of um, this video. But uh, you must get a lot of goofy people coming up to you if you're like performing at like comedy clubs, right?
2: Other, yeah. other comedians or other comedians are insufferable. They're the worst. I like there's nothing I want to do less than hang out. Really? With other comedians off the clock, yeah. There's a couple obviously that are, like I am genuinely good friends with, but like being around a group of comedians, you guys are improv guys, aren't you? Yeah. We We've been hanging out with your improv friends like fucking just intolerable sometimes. Does not feel like because they're always on?
0: Yeah, well, that, that's what it is, right? Well, yeah. Well, we don't hang out with those, but if there's cool ones, sometimes the right. the diner at 4 a.m. It's fun to get you know go together with your comedy guys or yes.
2: For, like, that brief period of time to, like, dissect and deconstruct comedy. But, like, I don't want to have a group of stand-ups over my house at, like, 7 o'clock on a Friday night for, like, a (laughs) banger. I just don't. And who are your influences? Who are my influences? Just a few. Norm MacDonald. He's my favorite stand-up as well. Not familiar. I open for Norm on the road sometimes now, which is a fucking unbelievable dream come true for me. I can't even fucking believe it still to this day.
0: That is Aaron's favorite comedian. Yeah,
2: he is... He's, I, I have a hard time saying my all time favorite, but it could easily be him. He is, as far as also an all around comedian and not just stand up, the guy is just fucking hysterical in everything he does. Like, he just has so many legendary moments at, at stand up, on radio shows, on fucking Conan. He's unreal. I've seen anyway. all,
0: all, the, all those interviews I've watched.
2: Yeah, it's just every single one of them. He just manages to completely reinvent. What a talk show appearance is, and I can't like how do you do that so many times, the same person. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm madly in love with Norm MacDonald. Did he give you, he did he give you any insights, like opening or any so pick up anything? This is crazy. So I've managed to get stand-up comedy advice from three, four incredible stand-up comedians in my life, and every time except for Norm, it's been completely underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever did stand-up, Bobby Lee forced me to do stand-up. Okay. He, Hilarious. He, had heard, he had heard that I wanted to do stand-up comedy, and he would check in with me maybe once a week, and me be like,
1: million, million, and
2: all these excuses, right? <laughs> and this one it was maybe like the fourth time he asked me. He goes, I put you on the potluck open mic at the comedy store this Sunday. If you don't go, I'm never going to speak to you again. Okay. And there's like a Wednesday, right? <laughs> and so I was like, uh, okay. So Bobby's, so in the meantime, I write my set, and I end up doing a script delivery at Frank Caliendo's house. Okay. And Frank is so nice, like just such a sweet human being, like he's a wonderful person. And I was like, Frank, would you, I don't really, I don't mean to, would you? and he's like, yeah, sure, of course, let me read it. And the very first words out of his mouth, and the only advice I remember from him was, don't say this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's like, try a John Madden impression.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't see any Furious Five moments in <laughs> um, So, and it was the joke I honestly wrote for my first ever thing, first stand up.
1: Now, was this the opener I'm, that he didn't I'm, like? Yeah.
2: I'm just, like, literally, the first line. I'm so embarrassed to tell you guys Let's this. The it. first thing I ever wrote was, yeah, Who farted? <laughs> it was literally, Who farted? But getting like really seriously into it, like angry about it.
0: Oh, that sounds like, kind of funny. Th- th- yeah. That would be, could be a funny bit. Like meta.
2: And, you know what? I don't and know. And then angrily accusing it of someone and then yelling at them about their health.
0: <laughs> I mean, that sounds funny to me. You know, a good button for that would be if you farted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe
2: bring that back. So good. But anyway, he, his instinct was probably right. And also, there's no way I would have been able to sell it. Like 0% chance. I probably couldn't do it now. 15 years and like 500 sets later, I couldn't do it. Um, But but
0: I don't think you'd get a huge laugh from the audience, but for just self amusement, it sounds pretty fun.
2: Maybe. So maybe I might get the self amusement, but at that time there was no such thing as self amusement. (laughs) It was just pure fear.
0: I
1: want to see you try it now, man. I'm not, now I'm curious. I might, now
2: I, I do enough like mics or whatever that if I wanted to just fucking bomb one on purpose and try this bit, I could do it. But luckily I've been getting really good gigs that I can't afford to like be experimental and bomb like opening for norm it's like the last thing i want to do
0: but norm fucks with the audience sometimes right
2: norm did the last show i did with norm uh not the last one but the last weekend i did with him the second show on the friday night he accidentally did an hour and 40 minutes with the first show (laughs) and so the second show is starting like over an hour late And he goes, look, I don't know what to tell you. I did an hour and 40 for them. I feel like I'm cheating you if I do less for you. So if people want to leave, you can. (laughs) And he did an hour and 50 for the second show. Cool. So, yes, he does sometimes fuck with the audience. I mean, there was a lot of just sitting down and chatting during both of those shows. Um, Okay, so third piece of standard advice I ever got. This is amazing. This is about two years ago from Kevin Hart. I interviewed Kevin Hart for one of my poker shows. And uh, I'm getting better at that self-promoting thing, so we stopped recording. I'm like Kevin. i uh, I know you're really kind to stand up, so I just want to say, you know, I'm a stand up too. And he's like, oh man. So you're a stand up? Like yeah. he's like, oh, man. he's like, I love, I love stand ups. He's like, let me, can I get, can I give you some advice? And I'm like, here it is, right? All right, here it is. I fucking sat down. I had a notebook. popped my notebook. Everything open. you've been waiting for. I'm like, licking the pen. <laughs> here we go. Don't fail me now. And he goes, don't run the light. Now, I don't know if you guys out there know what don't run the light means, but like, all it means is like stay. don't don't stay up there for longer than you're supposed to. Um, and underwhelming. That was like wow. my Red Rider BB gun moment when he's like fucking doing the Dakota ring and it, <laughs> and it just comes out to always drink your oval team like that's what that was my fucking Kevin Hart don't run the light thing. Now norm Wait, but did Kevin notice your you know your reaction? Did you, or did you pretend to be No, like I just oozed? held it. I was like <laughs>
1: Oh my God, thank you. I've never
2: thought of that. I wrote it down. How do you spell light again? What is <laughs> still, it? Still wrote it down. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's so important. I, by the way, I never run the light, just so you know. <laughs> um,
0: I've heard Norm give advice. Can I guess what his advice was? Go for it, no. I think, because I've heard him say that like, his biggest mistake when he was um, getting started was he tried to make his act perfect and he never got up there, so he was just encourages people just to get up as much as possible.
2: That's really great advice. He he has given me that advice actually, not based on any sort of solicitation, but based on the fact that I'm very busy. I'm like unlike most stand-up comics where they don't really do anything else besides sometimes they work a day job or whatever, but you know, they sort of just wait around till six PM every day to go hit mics and go hit shows. Whereas I work like five or six other paying jobs. Uh, many of which require me to travel. So I just don't do stand-up that often. So Norm has definitely said, I'm worried about you not doing enough stand-up. You need to keep going out. And so he, um, Norm has two openers that he uses. We kind of switch back and forth between MC and Feature Act. And so now we sort of hold each other accountable. He goes to Mike's every single night of the week, by the way. He helps to hold me accountable, so I go at least once or twice instead of zero. His name is Jeremy McKiernan and uh cool. Jeremy's a UP UCB performer around town uh and just does he's like a real grinder puts in the work comic I am not uh, Hey hey you're a grinder poker host Exactly I'm grinding at like a million different things so I'm definitely I'm super lucky to be where I am in comedy because I've done maybe 500 sets in my career and I only I was that first time I did stand up at the comedy store was so upsetting to me that I literally didn't do it again for ten years. <laughs> so yeah, so tell yeah. us can
1: you tell us how that potluck went?
2: I honestly don't really remember because I blacked out. Like <laughs> I don't Was I, Bobby there? Bobby was there. I remember him
0: how does the potluck work? It's just 15 minutes like
2: you No, know? it's three minutes. It's just three minutes. Oh. And uh, no big deal. But the thing is, most of the people on the potluck are not doing stand up for their first time. In fact, none of them fucking are. What I didn't realize, and Bobby told me this, but I didn't understand it till now that I actually want to do the potluck. He's like, this open mic's impossible to get into. And if you guys know how it works, now it's on Mondays. 150 comics sign up for the open mic. They wait around for an hour while the comedy store decides which 12 of those 150 are going to get to go on. Who's deciding that? Adam Egitt? Uh Adam is probably in it on sometimes the host of the open mic is deciding. I don't know who else. So and the decisions are arbitrary at best. Like it's not random, but it's like this person has a funny name. Oh, we like this guy. This guy's name I've seen for the last ten weeks now. Like you have no idea. Well yeah. make your name funny. Right, but that's no guarantee either. Yeah. <laughs> so so the comics wait around for an hour and then the other hundred and forty of them just either go home afterward or they go to Kill Tony. That's what I was just going to say. Yet, if you're in the audience for Kill Tony, you could possibly get up and that, get a and minute for free. That's the backup, right? Is that everyone goes to Kill Tony afterward, which I'm not a huge Kill Tony fan either. Like, an it's entire bitter. podcast. No, I, there's lots of comedians I love and I'm not saying anything about Tony as a comedian. I just don't like the show necessarily where got you? it's a bunch of guys who are like not always that funny making fun of like really earnest comedians who are there, who are like so desperate for one minute of stage time at the comedy store that they fucking allow themselves to get abused by you for, for like six or seven minutes. That's an accurate (laughs) summation. And, and you're not even always that funny. Right. And you're in, you're making fun of these pathetic people hitting this. Right. sad, Sad and funny. So anyway, I'm, I'm too, like uh, you're talking former conservative now, like bleeding heart liberal, even for fucking open micers. I'm like, won't someone think of the open micers, <laughs> what they're going through?
0: Well, you never gave us the advice that Norm gave you. Okay, But right. I do want to just yeah. I wanted to know also because you talked about how hard it is to get into the potluck. I assume it's so hard to have it open for Norm MacDonald. B-list comedians, comedians you probably see on Joe Rogan want to probably open for Norm MacDonald. How did you get that?
2: I was so, again, so lucky to get that. Where um, I was at one of Norm's shows uh, two, two summers ago in Vegas. I was working at the World Series of Poker, and a friend of mine tweeted, Oh, we're, we saw Norm last night. I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. He's like, There's another show tonight. I bet there's still tickets. There was. I went. Me and my friends were futzing around afterward, just being like, Where should we go? I want to go here. I want to go there. And Norm comes out of the theater. And I'm like, ah, I gotta say, I gotta say, say something. something. And also, because Norm's a poker fan. Yeah. So I'm like, there's a chance. There's a chance he knows me.
0: Common interest.
2: Right. There's a chance he's aware of me.
0: Oh, hey, Joe.
2: There you go. <laughs> it didn't quite go down like that, but I said, Hi, I'm Joe. I did poker. And he goes, I know who you are. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, this is incredible. And then we took a photo. And the next day, I tweeted at him and I was like, Hey, uh, we met last night, I'm Joe, the, he, he writes back, yes, I remember, I'm not senile. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, it just ended up, he ended up watching the entire World Series of Poker that summer live as it happened, and I was doing a lot of pieces on there. So I think he ended up kind of getting to know me a little bit through that, and then we started DMing, and it turns out we kind of have a lot in common in our comedic tastes we both think he's hilarious uh (laughs) in in our comedic tastes and sort of our general do you guys ever have friends that maybe you don't like to do the same things but the way you treat people is exactly the same and it makes it easy for you to get along with like if you have a friend that's like treats weight staff the exact same way that you do like if it's shitty if it's shitty, yeah. you need to be with a friend that's also shitty, right? You you share that common experience. Right, you can't be with a friend that like is way too good to them because there's a conflict there. Right. So just the way that Norm and I are shitty to most of the people in our <laughs> lives, we really connected on that level. Um, no, it's just that we kind of just had like a lot of like curmudgeon things in common about us. And then just out of the blue one day he was like, he asked me for a couple of my videos. I'm ter- he asked me for a video. Like your stand-up videos? Yeah, and I was like, I don't know which one to send them. Like, this one is good for this, and this is good for that. I really want to impress Norm. What the fuck? Norm McDonalds just asked me if he could watch my stand-up. Oh, the other thing was this. While all this DMing was going on, my girlfriend, who I mentioned before we started recording, is like the most supportive person ever. Every five minutes, she's like, did Norm write you back? Did Norm write you back? What about Norm? Have you heard from Norm the next day? She'd be like, What about Norm? Have we heard from Norm? What's going on with Norm? <laughs> You're like, I don't need this added pressure. No, but the fact that she was she was saying what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking too. Right. And there was like a couple times we were about to fuck. <laughs> and she went, one time for sure, she went, You're thinking about Norm. I like, yes, I am. I'm absolutely thinking about Norm right now. Um and so I after like he didn't watch my videos or he didn't reply to me for like a month after I sent him the video, oh, he probably couldn't shit. figure out how
0: to open it or something.
2: Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, what he said, it's just like, this is even a nice photo. Uh, he never mentioned them at all, but said, I want you to start opening for me on the road. So I was oh, like, wow, I'm not going to question this. Now you were like, yeah. but what'd you think? Right. But seriously, can you write out your thoughts? <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> the only time I'm sure he saw my stand up was the first time he took me on the road with him. And it's like an hour to show time. And he still hasn't even told me how long I'm doing. Like he is like the ultimate guy. Like he's exactly what you think. I'm like, where was the first show? Uh, it was in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, dude, at, my uh, hometown. Yeah. This huge comedy club. What spot? The downtown one. Uh, oh yeah. Stand up uh, live. Stand
1: up live. Stand up live. Yeah. And, uh, it's a good spot, man. It's a, it's a new comedy club.
2: It's yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's really perfect. And so, um, I'm on a plane with my hero, Norm McDonald, we're talking. I'm talking about whatever, and we're having a great time, making each other laugh. Airline like,
0: food. What's up with that?
2: What is? What is? What is up with these peanuts? <laughs> uh, he. And so I was like, Hey, Norm. Uh, by the way, how long am I? Am I doing? He's like, Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay. And then we're like in the car and the way to the hotel. Like, what? Hey, how long is that set? He's like, Yeah, I've. Uh, how long do you want to do? And then we'll start talking about something. I'll be like, You ever seen Cool Hand Luke? And I'm like, Okay. <laughs>
0: Good movie. I got some eggs.
2: <laughs> so he, uh, so finally, like an hour before showtime, he's like, You should go over your set for me. And I hate going over my set for people. Is that
0: normal for the, uh, the headliner to ask the opener, Hey, I want to hear your set?
2: I don't think so. But also, he knew I was nervous right. and I th- he wanted to help me. I don't think it was like, I need to approve of your set. It was right. like, Let's hear it. And so, let, you know, let's. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, If you guys have ever done it, when people say that that setting just doesn't work to like do your set in front of somebody, it's hard to deliver it right. It's hard to receive it right. But I knew at least he'll get that. He fucking knows that. So, all right, let's do it. Let's do it here in the hotel room. And all he said was, they're going to love you. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And... That was really good to hear. And he's just like, Joe, you don't understand. Like, I know that you've probably had bad shows before. He's like, these road shows. He's like, I don't perform in LA, fuck LA. He's like, these road shows, the people, they wanna laugh. Like they're there, These, these crowds are so hot. And they're so happy to be there. He's like, you're going to kill it. Don't worry about it. You're fine. And since then, we've talked a lot about comedy. Fix this word, change that. This doesn't quite logically make sense. Mm. And he takes the advice from us as well, which is pretty wild. Pretty cool. Uh, How
1: how long was that set then?
2: The set I did, (laughs) yeah, the other thing was this, is that Norm is so generous, right? So you know how they do like morning radio?
0: Norm is always doing the morning radio.
2: He took me to the morning radio, and he was like, if they don't let you on the air with me, I'm not going on the air. Oh, that's so oh, cool.
0: nice. He's always doing that. Yeah. Where, did,
2: where did you guys go, by the way? Uh, Do you remember? I, one guy was, had a really funny nickname. I used to work in radio. That's why, in Phoenix. One so guy had there's. a nickname. It was like, I know it's so cliche. It wasn't this. It was like Mad Dog. It was something like that. <laughs> oh, dude, I remember him. Mad Man,
1: something it like was, that. There was a Mad Dog. You Every city at, uh, has a Mad Dog. I think dog. he was at Power
2: 992. And Probably he, like, eight. he was, like, dressed in a baseball uniform and stood the whole time. I think all the DJs stood, actually. I don't remember. The other, the other one was, like, a rock station, like, because they had, like, a bunch of Muse paraphernalia. Anyway, uh, so Norm made me go on the radio with him. Had a blast doing that. And so when he's, like, okay, how long do you want to do? I'm, like, the car ride back. And I'm, like, "Yeah." How long do you want me to do? I don't know what to say here. I don't want to be rude. Like, I would love to do 15 minutes total, but, like, if that's – I don't know what to – it's your your show. So he goes, all right, uh, I want you to do 15 minutes at the top. Great. Then bring out the feature act. Great. Then I want you to do another 10 minutes in the middle. Before him? Yes. And then bring me out. And this is again very, very generous. I'm getting to do 25 minutes as an MC. The feature acts only doing 20 total. Did you have 25 minutes? I did, yes. It was fine. I mean, it was stretching for sure, but um, that wasn't a problem. But what was still to this day happens when I MC is the audience really does not want to see me for a second time. <laughs> and I'm it has for norm. It, exactly. It has yeah. nothing to do with me. It, they would be. It could have been fucking Jim Gaffigan coming out a second time, and they'd be like, "Fuck this shit." Where is Norm? Where's Which norm? sometimes people actually do yell out. Um, oh shit! So yeah, so that was we want the norm, but yeah, exactly That's right. <laughs> you got me instead. Is he on his way or? Yeah, hit any second now. Okay. Yeah, All any right. second. He doesn't drive, so he's waiting for <laughs> someone to pick him up. Um. Yeah. So. That was interesting about that first show. I got to do a lot of time. And I'm finding out now that the second Friday night shows, people are a little tired and a little cranky, and those are the ones that are sometimes tough. And on my last ever show emceeing, but my first weekend ever emceeing. I was opening the show, Saturday night, second show, and I hear someone from the back of the room yell, somebody call 911. And in this moment, I'm like, do I immediately halt the show for what could very easily be a very poor taste hackle? Yeah. That's right. like probably like oh, a yeah. 50-50 chance somebody you. doesn't mean call 911. <laughs> That's illegal. So then I call like, so then I do like another joke and a half and I'm like, you know what? I think there actually is emergency <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not breathing. There. And some guy. <laughs> <laughs> As I get, right when I call myself out for being like time to stop the show, this guy on the other side of the room goes, Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the problem? The yeah. problem was one of the waitstaff staff had a seizure. Oh, shit. And because uh, of your comedy? Because it actually technically was because of my comedy, because he didn't have time to like run to his car between shows and get his medication. <laughs> so, wow. Jeez. So, that standing ovation I got probably fucked things up for him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, and he ended up being fine. And I was right in the middle of doing a joke about my parents dying and, and about, I'm not exactly sad about it in the joke. So now I'm like, guys, uh, if you don't mind, we're going to try to get the show started. Oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot. The feature act is this guy named David Otley, who is, I don't know the right way to say this, but is, is disfigured. He's got uh, some sort of spinal disease where he like walks at a slant. He's very short. Obviously, has a great sense of humor about it because he's a stand-up comic. He comes out to "It's a Small World," and he just sort of waddles out (laughs) onto the stage. Hilarious comic. So, after I shut the show down, all right, guys, we're gonna just take a quick break while we get this figured out. Want to make sure everybody's okay. Go backstage. Norm's like, "What do we do? What do we do?" David, who no one has seen yet, because I haven't introduced him walks up from the audience and gets on the stage and starts explaining that it's just a seizure. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine, but no one knows who the fuck he is. <laughs> <laughs> so then I go back out. And when I finally get the show going and I go, guys, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to skip over that joke about my parents dying, but just laugh when I say these three words, cause that's the punchline. So we did that. They fake laughed and, in the, like, right as I was finishing things up, I just kind of, like, stopped for a second. And I just looked at the audience. I go, I, I feel like we've been through a lot together tonight. <laughs> and everyone just sort of, that was the thing that broke the ice Um then. And then I bring out David, and he's now waddling out, like, to it's a small world. and.
0: Consummate professional.
2: As I walk away from the mic stand, I have no idea how this happened, but the mic stand wasn't tightened enough and it dropped oh, God. to exactly his height oh, as yeah. I was walking away from it. So it, it ended up being nearly disastrous show that turned out really well. And like I said, was a dream come true to be able to do this for a weekend, even one weekend. Nice. Wow, inspirational. That was, wild, that was yeah. your, that was your last show too. That was it. my first and <laughs> last, never did it again.
1: So how did the, how did the comedy blend in with the the poker? Like I know you were doing the reporting you said, but how did you fuse those all into one thing? So I
2: started off by being the funny poker reporter, which That's what pe- you need. People, exactly. That's what I thought. But some I people agree too. some people hated it.
0: Dave Foley, is he your inspiration?
2: Dave Foley uh was not my inspiration. <laughs> well, actually he was my inspiration, but not from Celebrity Poker Showdown. But I'm a huge kids in the hall fan. That was like a gigantic uh. influence for me. So in many ways, yes, he was my inspiration. Um no, I just sort of was like, God, poker's so fucking boring. Like, yeah, it's so serious. Why are you guys so serious? If you want to like make people like poker, you got to entertain them, you got to yeah. give them a little something extra. So I was like the funny tournament reporter, which was completely inappropriate. And <laughs> they fired me. Um, um, did, was,
0: it, was it inappropriate? It was inappropriate how you always mean, like, hey, this guy has two, two, seven offset.
2: It was sort of, it was more like they thought I wasn't taking the game seriously and was sort of making a mockery of it. And by making it funny, was making it about myself also, which is true to a certain extent for sure. Like, I'm not going to deny that any comedian has a lot of fucking ego involved in trying to make people laugh. Um, So they didn't like me as a tournament reporter. Then I became a video producer. Uh, They thought I was too silly for that, but all the...
0: To produce a video, you're too silly. (laughs) They didn't want
2: silly videos either. Geez um, no no flames. There's R- still rigid. a video online now my first one I ever hosted where I go to like a private Like a party like a Maxim release party for this poker player young lady who Cloney Gowan was her name. She was on the cover of Maxim like in 2006 or something and norms actually at the party and there's a segment where I interview norm I remember getting in so much trouble in that video because I wore my hat backwards Wow, what a bro, right? I was like, they're like, this isn't this. They actually said to me, my boss is such an idiot. He goes, this isn't a mad TV sketch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, he probably said skit, actually. There's a 100% chance he says, this isn't a mad TV skit. <laughs> okay. He read your resume. Uh, it, well, right, and everyone <laughs> thought I was a writer on mad TV. I would clearly write production, uh, a production assistant, uh, or at the time I was production coordinator. And all the time, whenever articles were written about me in the poker world, it was former writer for mad TV. And I was like, dude. It's good. You can't do that. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I look like the liar. <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> wow. So they went from video, from doing videos to the next year, a company finally had some fucking brains and they wanted me to host a podcast. And what was it called? The podcast was called poker wire radio. And once we got catchy. Yeah. Right. Real it just flows right off the tongue.
1: Yeah. Was this in the heyday of the podcast? Or it was what in, it...
2: this was in 2007 or eight. Okay. So hey, they have poker silver age. That too. We were the number one non-sports podcast on non-ESPN sports podcast on iTunes. So awesome. it would be like one through 30. we all different ESPN podcasts. And then we were like 31. I don't know nice. anybody
0: listened to ESPN sports podcasts. So I thought the visual element They've been around would be for necessary a long time they yeah. do now. Yeah, people
2: do now. Now they do. Stephen A. Smith has a podcast, or
0: corporate yeah. podcasts in it, general. It wasn't.
2: It wasn't this person's podcast. It was the ESPN golf podcast, right. the ESPN baseball podcast, the ESPN tennis podcast. Now every reporter has their own podcast, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: uh, and so, a reactor.
2: Too. What kind of reactor? A nuclear reactor? Actor. Oh, an actor, <laughs> far less dangerous. <laughs> Losers,
1: way uh, less of
2: a half life there. <laughs>
1: so anyway, you're rocking the podcast. And
2: then that they, podcast they let, did well, ran out of money. They let you be funny finally. I got exactly. It was too top heavy. Exactly. They couldn't afford me. <laughs> they couldn't afford it. I think I left Mad TV for a for for a $50,000 podcast job, which even now to this day would be pretty good, I think. Um, that for yeah, for a podcast. Yeah yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. That's what this podcast gets.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, and then <laughs> yeah. I went on to do my own comedy podcast about the same time, which to this day is the best thing I've ever been a part of, is the best show, we we used to, we hit number seven in the comedy podcasts. We hit top 10 like twice during our tenure. And then what happened was me and my co-host both um, needed to take jobs elsewhere because we didn't know how to make a living at podcasting. Were you monetizing? We weren't, but we didn't, we should have been, we just didn't know how. So once we announced, The podcast was over. He got a job working for a producer in New York. I decided to do poker commentary on TV full-time, basically. Um, I moved to Europe, actually, right after that. Um, Midlife crisis. Yeah, well, it was after the poker boom ended because of the regulations that all of the people, I was going to make twice as much money if I moved to Europe. Anyway, Mm. so we both took other jobs, but we found out that our comedy podcast that we've been building for the last four or five years had 100,000 downloads that month. And we were both like, fuck, if we had known this, yeah, we might have been able to monetize this or at least get something out of it. How didn't you know?
0: I can't believe you didn't check every once in a while.
2: Like how to monetize it? No, how many many downloads you were getting? Because back in the day, I, I don't even think they still do. Apple doesn't release your figures and somehow we got them that month i don't know if they changed things or if we had honestly do favor. I, don't, I don't even
1: know how to view on specifically apple how many what it is but the the hosting website that we use yeah. tells us who download how many people download each
2: individual through episode
1: apple. i'm assuming it's through apple it could be yeah. through other apps i don't really know because
2: we the part of the reason why we started doing well is apple started promoting us okay. like we were one of those well, so you know it's big then what yeah. year what year was this this was 2010, I think.
0: Dude, yeah. Rogan started his in '09, and Marin started his around 09. Yeah, we
2: had a head start on all of them. Yeah. And you we, could have been the I no have no doubt that Mark if we'd Marin. stuck around, we would have been one of the podcasts that everybody knows now. And but what
1: did you guys focus on? You said comedy, but what, is, it was, what does that mean? We
2: basically just treated it, which no one still does to this day, really. We treated it like an audio variety show. Uh, that you could download at any time But it was recorded live So we had a live chat We had c- phone calls We would play games with our callers It would be just like morning radio Without oh, nice. the music
0: You'd play games and stuff We'd
2: play tons of games I invented all We had an app made from one of our games called. My game was called Strip Club or Hair Salon And all I would do is read you the name of a place I would, I'd be like, this is in Cleveland, Ohio
0: Oh, we're from Cleveland
2: Rumors Strip Club or Hair Salon? Strip Club Oh no, Hair Salon, or hair salon. Hair salon is, cl- is correct. So that became an app. Somebody made an app out of that for us, which was like number one in Australia briefly for some reason. <laughs> um, we other, I did a game called Death Scene or Money Shot, which I would play an audio clip out loud, and you'd have to guess whether it was some guy getting off in a porno or was somebody getting off in a movie. That's funny. Um, we, did, we had lots of like user-generated segments. We did a segment called retirements. What do you guys want to retire this week? What needs to be retired? I want to retire voicemail. Nobody listens to them anyway. Great, voicemails are retired. What do you want to retire? I want to retire the phrase, do you mind if I blank? Just say, can I blank? Do you mind retired? <laughs> I want to retire my father. Done, retired. He's Gone. the in, worst in, slash best, I don't know. In the home. Oh, meaning yes, sure. Social Security, Medicare, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Retired. Uh, so yeah, so it would be here's coming up on this week's show. We would chit-chat, we would do the news, we would do whatever our segment was, we would do our game, we would have our guests get out, but we would do like three to four hours, oh wow. every week, out of pure joy.
1: Now was, was that just one episode, or was it all split up?: That would be
2: one episode. We would release like a three to four-hour episode every week. A young stern. There was, there was, uh, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, there was so little competition back then, though. Now, right. podcasts are so saturated that they, I guess you're only supposed to make them like an hour tops, right? These days, because I'm, people want to listen to lots of them. Well, I Rogan, Rogan goes forever. He's our inspiration. We have you for the full four. Whatever you want, I'm here. I don't, I've got my next thing's at 4 o'clock. You we we, all, we have to hours. leave in an
1: hour, but we have you for the full four, yeah. right? I have
0: an audition later. I'll just stay here just if just I have to. to. <laughs> 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 just leave everything on. I'll turn <laughs> it off <laughs> when I go Joe just keep going. Yeah, I'm just
2: going to try some bits out if you guys don't mind. <laughs> I like it.
0: But uh, did we want to get to some questions? Actually, um, well, when, and when- Now you're trying to end the pod, dude? No, no. Oh, we have some great questions, no, but- I'm ready.
2: Have I touched on the theme of your podcast enough? Do you know the theme? Is there like a message- yeah, Isn't it like surviving Hollywood? Is that it? Well,
0: I thought we kind of covered a lot of it. Are, are we? Okay. Our primary demographic is young writers, actors, filmmakers, comedians. 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 Yeah. yeah. All up and coming. So not the Joe Rogans, not even the Eddie Bravos, but the guy under Eddie Bravo. Well, we even talked
1: oh, sure. about, okay. like, you even talking about, like, working on Mad TV and, like, how you got that gig. Like, stuff like that is what people are curious about, too. Yes. I'm, I'm curious about that, you know, because that's...
2: All, all I would say for... And I've mentioned being lucky many times over the course of this podcast, and I do think that there's an awful lot to that. I think people sometimes attribute their own actions way too much to their successes i really think that sometimes it's just going to happen now i'm not saying you are, your actions don't matter at all they matter a lot but people want to act like it was through their sheer willpower that a lot of this shit happened, and i disagree with that sheer tyranny of will that's You're right saying? tyranny <laughs> of will is that is that your upcoming novel oh, that's <laughs> that's that, norm's thing that's chapter two. oh is it okay
0: Um, He said, I quit smoking through sheer tyranny of
2: will. (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, that is exactly it. Um, So, but what I will say is that most of the things that will be perceived as luck in your life that aren't luck will happen because people like you, will happen because somebody likes you. Yes. Sometimes is that because you're a white dude and the guy hiring you is a white dude? Yes. That happens an awful lot just out of sheer looking like somebody else.
0: Not anymore.
2: Hopefully not as much anymore. Hopefully we're all more conscious about that. But people will wanna like you and do nice things for you. So my advice is be a likable person. Don't be a shithead. Be a nice, polite, honest person and more doors will open for you. And I think a lot of people just forget that, that being liked and being someone that people wanna be around is incredibly helpful, I think. Um, And the other thing, yeah, it's it's just be nice. Those are my two things. And then specifically, if you want to avoid starting your career 10 years too late, like I did do the thing that you say you are, like I said, I was a writer, but I wasn't fucking writing. I wasn't writing anything like just do it, like do it. So when someone comes to you and says, Oh my God, I've been looking for a graphic novel that takes place during the 1970s that you just told me you're working on. I want to buy that. Give it to me. And you go, yeah, oh, it's kind of like an idea I have, have that thing ready.
0: Let's uh, when, you know, uh, was it luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think a lot of people, um, and it's not novel advice at all. It is the most common advice you will hear, especially from creative people do the thing, but you gotta do it. And even if the thing you did, isn't that great, at least you've got something to show someone when they ask you.
1: Well, it's kind of like the thing with Norm Macdonald, man. Like, if you weren't doing the poker thing, like, it might not have even ever happened where that... Right. And, and that, it just kind of naturally And that happens. was, I you had know?
2: luckily been progressed to the point in my stand-up career where I was at least good enough for Norm to take me on the road with him. If I wasn't, that would have been a completely wasted, missed opportunity. You might not have gotten another one yeah. in might another have, 10 years. I, I, well, yeah. you can't get another one from the greatest stand-up who ever lived. So... If in fact that is Norm's title and I wasn't ready for that opportunity, like that is something that's hard to con- to forgive yourself for. True. Hey, and speaking of advice, um, when
0: Aaron found out that you're coming and thank you for coming on our pod today. Big uh, question. He was chomping at the bit. We told him to come up with some questions. Yeah, yeah. so I just thought of one because I knew you were coming on,
2: Joe. I was just wondering, um, where do you get your ideas? Uh, why are you guys all looking at me? <laughs> Like that Like this is some sort of Crazy loaded question uh, most, No, he,
1: he wanted to ask you really. Mostly
2: just I feel like I should say Something funny to this Now I have nothing funny to say I, feel I was like, just wondering Where
0: you got your ideas from
2: Did I Am I about to get what, accused Of, what's so of plagiarizing a joke understand. Right now <laughs> Just, this is, okay. Is this another Norm thing? Yes, yes it is. Okay. It's what
0: he, he makes uh, Adam Eget, Adam Eget ask that to the celebrity guests on his podcast. Oh, okay.
2: So we'll I'm it. sorry. I haven't seen much of the podcast. I'm so sorry that I couldn't yes and your joke right there. I was genuinely scared that you were going to go, yeah, well, that bit you do about PBR, I do that bit. So where do you get your ideas, Joe? You <laughs> stole my stuff, man. That's what I was like. My like, fucking went white as a ghost.
0: There's a whole compilation of on, online of adam egott asking the celebrity you get your ideas and, and oftentimes that shuts down the interview too
2: yes because i didn't want to go this is a really bad question exactly. <laughs> Been waiting all day if for it's it. not a bit i don't i guess i'll answer it Exactly, it's so general it's so it's great to be asked a question that is so general and also Whenever you answer, it makes you feel like look like such a blowhard. <laughs> well, my ideas, they just come from observation of yeah. life, really. I'm more of an observationist than a comedian. You're like, what? shut the fuck up.
0: The, the best reaction was from Super Dave Osborne. Who oh, right? Super yeah. Dave. Would yeah. not give Adam Egan anything. Like, <laughs> just said it was dumb. That was good. That was good.
2: Uh, I texted, when, when Bob Einstein died, I texted Norman. I said, I know you guys were close. I, I know you and Bob were close. I just wanted to say, I'm thinking about you. Yeah. And the next time I saw him, he goes, I never called him Bob. I didn't know who you were talking about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Super Dave died. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. That's how close. <laughs> nice. Nice, man. Well, we had two other audience questions. Yeah. Okay. What else we got? First Which one, if one if of your parents wrote in? Exactly. <laughs> um, no. D- dad? Hey, uh, my dad asks, why is Phil Helmuth so angry? And what's the most belligerent that you've seen him?
2: He's the moody one, right? He is the very moody one, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. that's always whining. Um, he's not an angry person in general. He plays it up? He, he, he's not playing it up, no. He is... It's not that he's angry. He's more like 11. <laughs> so strung, strung out. When an 11-year-old... Strung up. Yeah, when an 11-year-old kid loses at Fortnite or whatever, Oh, you're so lucky. That's so ridiculous. I can't <laughs> believe that happened. That's Phil. It's not, it's not really anger... It's it's like more like just being an, a baby, um, and it's so important to him. And it's so, it's it's like he can't take it the way other people can handle wins and losses and ups and downs. You know, they he takes it like a baby uh, because he cares so much. It's it's more of like a it's more of a mental defect than a default. <laughs> I love watching him. I yeah, want to see those. He's gloves. super entertaining, and he. I've never seen him angrily address anyone off the poker table. Now, as far as the name dropping and the ego mania is concerned, he, he is exactly the same guy off the table. Good. He is just not rude and or mean to anyone other than in those poker situations. Question
1: off of that: Have you ever? Obviously, these dudes are like multimillionaires. Did you ever party with any of these guys? Any crazy party stories with one of these? These
2: poker dudes? The first thing I'll say is that you're, that you're not allowed to ask any follow-up questions to this <laughs> statement.
1: <sighs> Here we go.
2: Almost yeah. none of them are millionaires. Oh, okay. So we'll just... Except for Daniel. Degenerate gamblers. No follow-up questions to that one. The um, second part is, yes, I have partied with many of them. I was at Daniel Nagranu's wedding a couple of months ago. Very fun night. A huge wedding down in RPV. I have partied with Phil Ivy before. Hellmuth for sure. Um, it's not... It doesn't happen as much as it used to because everyone's kind of older now and everyone's a lot smarter with their money. Like, back in the heyday of online poker, everyone, no one thought this spigot was ever going to turn off. And so people right. were just, like, quite literally lighting money on fire. I've seen it. Um, so that not existing anymore. There are no more endorsement deals. There are no more...
0: That's where the money was coming from, the endorsement. Endorsement
2: deals and online poker sites were paying these guys hand over fist to just wear their patches so that people would go, oh, I want to play where Phil Helmuth plays. And And Worked on us. Yeah, exactly. So none of that exists anymore. I mean, it exists, I would say, like around 5% of what it did back in those days. So the partying isn't quite... Uh, isn't isn't the same it's more like cocktails and bed by ten yeah, it is, and everyone's older now too absolutely yeah. are there I only know
0: the names the older class are there, new, that, that's are there not that's new- not
2: uncommon yeah, there are lots of new ones, but because yeah. online poker again uh, went away in America, so did poker on television like you know seventy five percent on the poker TV went away Yeah, we used to watch that yeah, so you yeah. don't get to know these new players anymore, and then the television programs that do exist still mostly focus on those players because they know they're the only ones people still recognize Hmm. so that's not uncommon at all and that unfortunately one factor as well is that with the advent of poker is like very close to being solved like mathematically solved like monopoly like there's an optimal move to do in every situation
0: but that's why they bluff
2: Right, but b- even with bluffing included, it like, like the whole thing is about to be solved. Uh, of course, there are
0: certain this variables is, that this is you after two joints. The whole thing's about to be solved. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is
2: no. There are like literally.
0: I don't understand how somebody could. If they're at the table, how do they a person? Because it's how, statistics. How do, it's just on their head. They're still running this. They're running the
2: statistics and they're literally studying like algorithmic charts at nighttime.
0: But if somebody's bluffing.
2: So what you do is you factor that in how often is that person likely to be bluffing oh, given man. this set of circumstances oh. this time in the tournament this amount of chips they have in front of them this amount of chips I have in front of me
0: wow. They do do the same thing with basketball and sports it's like you know this when he's when this basketball player is pushed here he's he's going to make this move they like work all that out Right
2: so, and poker has fewer variables than than basketball does because it's you can only do a few things yeah. right 52 and so, cards, more, more so controlled. as we get closer and closer being poker being solved the players who have won the most money are the players that have been on the forefront of this solving it and those players typically don't have the same outward personalities those that type of person isn't the same as your fast-talking, hard-drinking, old-school gambler. These are these are quiet nerds. I'm, I'm picturing yeah.
0: a mild-mannered Asian man. We don't need to get racist. so Plenty Valley. of those.
2: Plenty of mild-mannered Asian Scotty men. Scotty Wynn. Exactly. He's the other one. He's the old-school. He's mild-mannered. He's not on the forefront of solving poker, I'll tell you this much. He's, <laughs> okay. he's on the forefront of solving, not looking like he has wet hair all the time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Why is his hair always wet? I don't know. <laughs> we, I, I couldn't He's sweating? No,
1: he's good. So what do you, So, if that's the case with poker, where do you see it going in the future? What's- I think that
2: poker will always exist on a small-scale level. Your 500 and your $1,000 tournaments so or your cash games, your home games, I think that poker will more or less always exist in that space. As far as high-stakes poker is concerned, I don't know where it's going. I don't know. It seems to be alive and well. Seems to be fine, but what I think is in real trouble isn't poker, it's poker on TV. Right. Which is why I'm available for almost <laughs> anything right now. Not a lot of poker on TV yeah. anymore. Well, did you, were you aware of that pilot, that poker pilot got, that got shopped around
0: Luck Boxes that was shopped around? Uh, Jason Somerville was like, yes, Jason
2: is uh, a friend of mine. And I uh, remember, okay. were you guys in Luck Boxes? You're speaking Let's
0: to go. the Star right? Oh. guy, was. Oh my God, you got, yeah. Well,
2: well, I want to know what you heard about it. Was it Jay produced it right? What's his name? Uh, Jason. Jason Rosenkrantz, right? I'm not sure of the pro- producers, or uh, I would know their names if I heard them. Jay uh, Rosenkrantz, I want to say. Anyway, but uh, those right. guys do really good work, and I never saw the pilot, but I heard it was pretty cool. Um, I didn't hear that much well, about it. Well, the honestly, reason it yeah. didn't
0: take off because it was written specifically for a poker network for Poker
2: Central. Yeah, and they and they
0: paid for the pitch, but then they were like, "Well, we can just do um." you know, reality type, just videotape the games and we don't have to pay any of these actors. Right. So then they are like...
2: I've had similar experiences with similar companies, I'll say, uh, where they have really big ideas what they want to do. And then when they they see how much it costs, they go, what can we do that's like this, but is one-tenth as expensive. That's what we want to do. I've I've had lots of experiences like that. And it is kind of frustrating. Sorry about uh, the near miss there. It's okay. Thank I you. mean, if Just you had been on Poker over. Central, hundreds of people would know who you are. By <laughs> way. So I know. Now, nah, poker is good. Poker is uh, the audience is small, but they are very loyal. The and hearts very, are big, and they the people who like poker consume everything. Yeah. that's poker. Would you say that you're more of a tight aggressive player or a? I am a tight weak player. I am one of the worst types of poker. <laughs> so players. still conservative. Still conservative in my poker playing. I'm, I'm, like, a, I'm like a call-call-fold type of person, <laughs> if you guys know what that's like. I'm a call-call-fold, and then every once in a while, I'll call-call-bluff directly into the stone nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like once a night, I'll run a huge bluff, and the person will be like, seven aces, and I'll be like, cool, you win. Cool, <laughs> okay. I'll grab the mic and commentate. Exactly. I'm done, guys. Ha-ha.
1: Nice. So now are you hosting a bunch of other shows? Are you still doing Poker Night in America? You Poker Night
2: in America, yes. That's okay. still going. I'm still doing the European Poker Tour Saturday. I'm headed to Barcelona for some European Poker Tour oh, work. Oh, sweet, man. Um, I'm going to be doing some work for Jason Somerville in October. He does a big live event every year called Run It Up uh, in Reno, which is super fun. And they have me go up there. I play some. I commentate some. I do a stand-up comedy night. And uh, he got his following through Twitch, right? Yeah, Jason was like the original Twitch streamer. That's what I hear. Yeah, he is what built an audience on Twitch, and now people have superseded him as far as numbers are concerned. But it was all built on on his doing it first. He was the Poodie Pie, maybe a poker. He was the he was the Doctor Disaster of po- Ninja of Poker. <laughs> right, it's called PewDiePie. Pie. I like poodie Pie. Do you say coupon or coupon? Coup- coupon, Gr- coupon, coupon. Growing coupon.
0: up, I did say coupon. Now uh, I'm switching. You changed? <laughs> Just like me when I <laughs>
2: switched from conservative to liberal. You're like, Coupon no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know. It's too cutesy. We like, didn't know how hurtful Coupon yeah, was. It's, it's Thanks, no Mom.
0: <laughs> so one last question, and then maybe yeah. we go to plugs? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right, this one's kind of an inside baseball type thing. This well, is from a uh, username. Baseball? This is from okay. Reddit. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, If inside. you play poker, you'll get it. BetfoldTim09 asks, Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is a hypothetical to you. Okay. You hold double snowmen, offset diamond clubs, and the flop is a four of hearts, six of hearts, king of clubs. You're heads up against a tight aggressive sitting to the right of the button. Tight aggressive bets three x the pot. Bets three x the pot, and keep in mind you have four x more than him in total chips. How do you play it in final table now? Please help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the flop again? That was funny. Flop. I, think, I, don't, well, I don't think we need to make a man. Four hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. This guy uh, lost it all. If it's
2: a final table, I probably fold. If it's a cash game, I would probably just go all in. All right. Let us know what you did down below in the comments.
0: But um, you already plugged some stuff you are doing called. this Saturday. we called. Unfortunately, this episode's going to come out after this Saturday. So um, what else you got going on? There are, there
2: are a lot of, by the way, just not to get too nerdy. There are a lot of other factors I would need to know there before I can <laughs> actually give the answer. Like how many players are left at the final table? What does each place pay? How many who, Are there other players that have fewer chips than you? Do you have the most chips?
0: Well, this guy did say
2: you know heads up you oh he said it was heads up final table yeah, oh yeah. hold on a second he, he did had, say he heads up. more sorry. And the other guy did it. four times the one of total he just chips. worded it so weirdly that i had a hard time following <laughs> what was going on and this guy's person? on his
1: phone this person is austin so there we go are you serious dude <laughs>
0: okay i would he, never I've fucking intentionally do that. <laughs> worded it like oh, i would never great.
2: disrespect our podcast by
0: writing these questions well, it was tim i think you said it was
2: it was betfold tim09 betfold, tim09 um all right, heads up. Yeah, let's go all in. All let's right. just do it. I like it. Over pair to the board, right? It's a Risky. seven high flop.
0: And you lost the money. It's a, uh,
2: well, there's a king high flop. Right. Where can people follow oh. you? Yeah, let's not, don't <laughs> ask me for my poker advice. I don't know what the <laughs> but fuck But you have eights. You
1: have Where can eights. people get poker advice from?
2: Poker advice, uh, there's lots of great places, like watching Twitch streamers it would probably be the best place to get poker advice at this point, guys. Like, and following uh, you? Uh, nope. All Don't right. follow me for poker advice. You can follow me for jokes. You can follow me for making fun of our uh, current presidential administration and or um, crying over it, literal tears. Um, hey,
0: Norm's a, uh, is Norma conservative?
2: Norm leans conservative, but one thing is that people confuse that for being a Trump fan, which he is not, it- but... In L.A., they everybody confuses. I mean, that. half of the country right.
0: is a Trump fan, so if, yeah. if he was right,
2: like, so but but he's so what ends up happening is Norm will say things that are conservative leaning, uh, mostly not even conservative leaning, but like he thinks that many people on both sides, instead of being very fine people, are complete idiots, and so um, so people, yeah, so Norm Norm's a little bit conservative leaning, but uh, is is by no means by no means a Trump fan. But anyway, yes, I I am very left leaning, everybody. Hey there. (laughs) Um, Don't want to ruin it for you. But my comedy, I'll tell you, is not as apolitical. I think there's so much out there being done on the subject. That's refreshing. That's apolitical. Yeah. Well,
0: would you give us your closer? Yeah, right. my closer yeah, it was a good one good night everybody hey <laughs> all right Nice. Well, where can people follow you what's your hand they can
2: follow yeah. me at stapes on twitter and it's mostly just a place for me to plug shows so at stapes on twitter stapes stapes s-t-a-p-e-s and on instagram i am at insta stapes <laughs> and uh, i've got a facebook page as well but, but that's nobody uses that stapes is. was taken i'd rather not i'd rather not uh use facebook dude that when's the next good. time you're playing the store yeah. I am playing the store September 27th. Not confirmed yet, but I think right. I'll be on the Friday night, September uh, 27th. The show 7 7.30 7 30 p.m. Hey, everybody.
0: We're, we're going to come. Yeah, let's you guys go. are
2: going to come? Yeah, let's we'd love to see you, man. Friend of, iPod. Pod. Friend of the pod. I will make sure that I whatever my actual next dates are that I confirm with you guys. That would be Sweet. awesome. Thank you so yeah, much We would for love that. to come out. Thanks, Um I love you. You're my best friends. Do you remember our names? I think yes, so. Yes, I do. Austin, Aaron, Johnny. Yeah. All right. New friend of the pod. Hey, officially a friend. Cool. And that was your final test. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, No, man, dude, thank you for coming, man. Really appreciate it. And
2: uh, now for
0: the second hour, you can ask us
2: questions. (laughs) Excellent. Okay.
0: What's (laughs) Uh, your side? Fantastic. Well, Virgo.
2: Virgo. And what's your side?
0: All right. We got it. All right. Awesome.